Of all the trees that grow so fair, old England to adorn. Greater on our beneath the sun, but O can ash and thorn. Sing O can ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. Surely we sing of no little thing, but O can ash and thorn. Oak of the clay lived many a day, or ever in years began. Ash of the loam was a lady at home when Brute was an outdoor man. Thorn of the downs saw new Troy town from which was London born. Witness here by the ancient cry of Oak and Ash and Thorn. Sing Oak and Ash and Thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. Surely we sing of no little thing but Oak and Ash and Thorn. You that is old in church are mouldy, breedeth a mighty bow. Older for shoes do wise men choose, and beach for cups or so. But when you have killed and your bowl is filled, your shoes are clean and worn. Back you must speed for all that you need to oak and ash and thorn. Sing oak and ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. Surely we sing of no little thing but oak and ash and thorn. Elm she hates mankind and waits till every gust be laid to drop a limb on the head of him that anyway trusts a shade. But whether a lad be sober or sad or mellow without from the horn, he'll take no wrong when he lieth among neath oak and ash and thorn. Sing, O can ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. Surely we sing of no little thing but O can ash and thorn. Oh, do not tell the priest our plight, for he would call it a sin. For we've been up in the woods all night, conjuring summer in. And we bring you news by word of mouth, good news for cattle and corn. For now is the sun come up from the south with oak and ash and thorn. Sing oak and ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. England shall bide till judgment tide by oak and ash and thorn. All right, greetings mortals. Welcome to High Dollars Home. Um, this is Celtic God speaking, and before we get into... Um, the topic or anybody that's with us um i thought i should mention that our last day of this season will be may 9th that's mother's day will be our last show before we take approximately a month off or hiatus we're not quite sure when we'll come back yet but if you're if you're subscribed to our telegram or instagram do we still are we still going to do this yeah or? we're doing instagram uh, but you you stay tuned into our instagram or our telegram or listen to the the, uh, the podcast because that'll still be going on. It's just going to be irregular. Um, then we you'll be up to speed for when we do come back. We have a lot of new new things in store and um, a different way of presenting things. However, in season three, um, we will be cutting down to one show a week for at least a while until we feel things out. So, anyways. Now that that's out of the way, the PSA is out of the way, uh, how are you doing today, Ike? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it is, I am excited, actually excited about the hiatus because it'll give us time to uh, sort of iron things out. We've been doing this for about a year, as I've said before, and it gives us the time to figure out like 
what do we want to keep doing? What do we want to not keep doing? What works, what doesn't work? What works, what doesn't work? How do we want to present stuff? Because when we first started um, this podcast and all these other projects, we sort of just said, fuck it, and jumped straight in. Mm-hmm. And um, Best way to do things when you're not sure. Yeah. And now we have a year of experience under our belt, and we're like, we these things are working, these things are not working, and we're going to work from there. Right. And um, how are you doing today, Hans? All as well. Any thoughts on what we were just talking about? Or did we pretty much cover it all? I just got into it. All right. Uh, So today's show, Robin Hood and Little John Wayne. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest. Uh, Anyways. Do any more of that, we'll get sued by Right? I have to stop there or the suing begins. But um, um, it's about... Today's show is going to be about vigilantes and heroes, and who is basically eligible for heroism and who is not. Well, and I, it's it's not just our own personal opinion. This is a an opinion formed by history, created by our people. Yes, it's we're looking at mythic, historic, and uh, even fictional versions of this concept. For instance, you have. Um, Robin Hood and Little John. Right, which nobody knows really if these are based off from real people, a real person, or real people, since you mentioned two, or a group of people, or if it's completely fictionalized. Or if it's uh, origins or in... Academics and experts argue about this on a daily basis. Well, and more than likely it has, it's a little bit of column A, B, and C. Most likely. There's some fiction, well of course there's some fiction, look at the most recent movie with Black Little John. Right. Um, but uh, there's some fiction, there's some historical elements, and then, of course, there's the mythic elements that come in. And Robin Hood's a big one, but it, it comes into the modern day. I mean, you, you go through and you have, um, in America, we had people like uh, Doc Holliday, Wyatt Earp, even, um, uh, uh, forget his name. Uh, he was the big gangster during Prohibition. Al Capone? Yeah, Al Capone. Um, Bonnie and Clyde, not so much. That's pushed by modern media, but they weren't yeah. actually considered heroes at most, the time. M- most people right up until recent history uh, despised Bonnie. Bonnie and Clyde, but they put Al Capone up on a hero status. And they switched that in popular media. Yeah. Um, for and, a reason, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, for, for good reason. Uh, most likely. Um, and then you also have this really big uptick in um, fictional vigilante heroism. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been a trend that's been going for a while because... Well, and even when things are based off from, uh, off from real events, real people, true things that happen, um, when we tell the stories, we have a tendency to exaggerate, make them bigger, bigger than what they were. Or so- on occasion, something will be so big, so grand... It has to be downplayed to be believable. Well, precisely. I mean, who who would um, uh, that one soldier, crazy, crazy Jack something, the crazy the, Jack something, yeah. Um, the the guy with the longbow and the sword in World War Two. Who the hell would believe that? Yeah, it's, if there uh, wasn't photographic evidence of it in histor- a shit ton of historical documentation. However. His stories, in his case, have a tendency to be downplayed. Because, one, that is already unbelievable. 
And two, some of the things that he did makes him sound literally like an immortal superhero. Well, it's like Wojtek. And that's a bear. Yeah. And, and actually, I think one of the reasons Wojtek's story is so poignant is the fact that there was absolutely no reason that a bear had to join the military. The bear just wanted to be with his friends, and he became a hero through that. And he, his story follows a lot of the same beats of uh, European hero uh, heroes of myth, in fact. You know, the, the sort of downer childhood uh, becomes part of a brotherhood, grows up and has bits and pieces of adventure, has that one big mighty moment, and then there's that slow, depressing decline. Well, and with Robin Hood, you might, you, you might jump on the conclusion, well, he's fictional because nobody can shoot a ball like that. I beg to differ. Well, Frick, there's people that can throw knives like that. Yes. Or spoons. Yeah, or spoons. What, what's that, Hans? Maybe it's worth throwing in there that, uh, yeah, I found his name. Um, John Malcolm Thor Fleming Churchill, also known as Mad Jack Churchill. Um, is that the guy, guy I was just talking about? Yes, and he is... Um, he didn't only have a longbow, he also had a claymore, bagpipes, and a <laughs> Scottish broadsword. <laughs> <laughs> this dude. <laughs> and, and he actually has a kill count. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He survived as far as I know. I don't think he died in the war. He died in 96, so the dude turned out to be, yeah, let's see. He got old. 90 years old. Not bad. Not bad at all. Man. <laughs> he had a poor life. <laughs> Could you imagine sitting down and talking to that guy and him trying to tell you that this is, tell you his, nobody would believe him. I'm sure everybody thought he was insane until it came out to public and, and started being pushed, which, to the best of my knowledge, wasn't pushed until after he died. So he probably died with everybody thinking that he was insane. Except he actually did all the things. Except for he actually did all that. Oh, you're just an insane liar. You just dreamt all this. Well, no. <laughs> Well, and it's also very telling that um, most of our heroes, a lot of their uh, antagonists, are people of authority. Yes. Well, because that, that's another thing to to, to broach. Um, in general, if you get paid for doing the thing, it's like our people say, historically, yep, you can't be a hero. You just did your job, and it's about damn time one of you people did your job. Now, with Mad Jack... He did his job, but he did it in such an over-the-top way, he became an exception to the rule. Precisely. And that's kind of the exception. It's You can become legendary in an official capacity, especially in uh, olden times in the military where you were, in many cases, forced to. Mm -hmm. or, it was, um, or it was a situation of you were signing up specifically to defend your people. This is why we have this positive view of the military. Uh, for our people because it was a role of defending the people. But it, regardless of the hero, if it's a European hero, we look back, we see they did not follow the rules. Every one of them was a rule breaker. Mad Jack wasn't supposed to go into into war with the, the, the claymore and the broadsword and the bagpipes and the longbow, but he did it anyways. He broke the rules. He found loophole, basically, is what he did, and he exploited the shit out of it. But it was not the expected rules. Robin Hood. Um, we was talking about a guy earlier, uh, the French guy. Uh, what was his name, Hans? Louis Mandra. 
which I, 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 I'm not certain, but I think he is the one at the Scarlet, not Pumpernickel. Pimpernel. Pimpernel. Pumpernickel is a bread, yes. Pimpernel is a flower. But I, I watched the, the mockumentary so much, it's funny, it's, it's stuck in my head. Um, but the, that highwayman, I think that fictional highwayman, I know that he's based off from somebody, uh, from a real person. I think it's based off from, what was his name again? Uh, Louis Mondrian. Yeah, I think he's based off from him because in some of the, the fictional um, literature about him, and this might be historical facts too, but like the, fiction and reality have a tendency to like bump right up against each other. But um, something about him riding riding down the road on an ass or a donkey. And uh, I think that you mentioned that um, the real guy, he actually had a some kind of farm with those animals on it. Um, you know, from what I've from what I've quickly gathered together, his father uh, owned basically um, what would you call it in English? Stables, a ranch, or you know, horses and donkeys. Apparently, yeah, yeah, um, stable or maybe a farm or potentially a, a potentially a ranch, but ranches are usually reserved for actual horses. So, eh, either or, pick one. He had a donkey farm. <laughs> there you go, if you will. But yeah, so, and he inherited it from his father. And, yeah, by extent, um, I'm not sure if you want me to continue on that. Sure. He's, uh, uh, what's their name again? The Ferme General, which is an old um, uh, branch of tax uh, tax collectors from the French government at the time. We're speaking about, let's say, three centuries ago, so 300 years. Um, and they were, you know, the, the branch was kind of dying off. However, yeah, as it went, these tax collectors weren't regulated themselves. So as one can imagine, this attracted scum really damn quickly. And these were essentially legalized uh, looters, if you will. Collect like like we were talking earlier, if the king needs 500 coins, he sends out his tax collector to give him 500 coins. Uh, tax collector collects 15,000 coins, gives the king 500 coins. Good job, tax collector. Yeah, that is what it came down to. And since they weren't regulated, and you know, the local population didn't have the means to really defend themselves in, a, in any... <clears throat> In any effort that wouldn't have the army be sent on their ass, uh, yeah, guys like Louis felt the need to stand up to this nonsense. You know, he even tried to play by the book in the beginning, from what I've garnered about him. But he, yeah, he was supposed to, and hold on to this. He was asked to uh, deliver a hundred donkeys for the, um, yeah, for to the tax collectors. Now we had to go through some rough terrain and unfortunately a lot of the donkeys died along the way and the few he had left were yeah, not in the best condition, let's put it like that. And the tax collectors of course didn't come through for him. So he got into a lot of trouble. Even though, you know, he was doing it in good faith. He really was. 
but also just the insanity. Can you imagine having a ranch and you're basically asked, yeah, you're going to have to give up, a, cough up a hundred animals. Just like that. I cannot imagine that a lot of people today would be happy with that who own, uh, you know, be it horses or cows or what have you. Pets of any nature, really. And at some point he, um, you know, so that uh, backfired on him, but he waved it off. Now granted, you might say that he, he was quite a character and he hung around with guys who also were quite the characters themselves. But it was really when one of his friends, who was a counterfeiter, has to be said, got hanged. Also by, you know, uh, through, uh, I suppose, through tax collectors. They had something to do with it, apparently. Uh, eventually, he said, okay, that's it. You know, first my business, now, now you killed one of my friends. Uh, so be it. You want to drive people into hover, uh, in poverty and steal, you know, and, and you know, end their lives uh, while you're robbing everyone blind? Yeah, time to pick up my gun and do something about this. And thus, uh, Louis Mandrin became something of uh, a Robin Hood in France, if you will. Didn't he um, focus almost specifically on the on tax collectors, uh, much like the Robin Hood? Man? Yes. Yeah, specifically. There is even a, an old pamphlet uh, where he is accused of being, what was it again, basically a highwayman, so yeah, they're calling him a bandit, and what was the other thing, a uh, terrorist, they also called him a terrorist. Right, and Isn't right. That the, the reality of it is, is anybody that breaks the rules you're I'm and really that's kind of what it takes to be a hero um in a way it's not time to go all that far yet but um and hopefully we never have to go that far I guess for Frank out there in the FBI that's listening to us um but every hero is deemed a, a criminal of some sort whether they're Founding fathers in America would be labeled terrorists today. Um, they would be labeled highwaymen. They'd be labeled pirates because they did all of these things. Um, vigilantism is against the law, which you, you brought up a, a nice uh, language thing about that. It's based off from uh, something in the Latin language. Yeah, vigilante comes from the, uh, the Latin term vigiles or vigiles. I don't know what the exact pronunciation is. And they were originally in the early uh, stages of what you might say, yeah, Rome as as a, a a community. Let's put it like that. The Romans, you know, having small communities on their mythical seven hills, they uh, essentially were the militia. That's what vigile originally meant, and later on it got warped and turned into that Vigilate became the scouting forces of the legions. Um, yeah. Well, and basically, yeah, you, you can think of it as the vigil vigilantes, the vigilant ones. Um, it's a close enough approximation using uh, modern English. But there's people now that never do anything violent, nothing violent, and they're, con they're considered vigilantes. Um, or... The, the newer term, 
conspiracy theorists because they 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 watch they watch and then they they basically report on what it is that they've seen and they try to get people to see it and there's some of them have been branded actually branded as vigilante which is against the law conspiracy theor uh, conspiracy theorists assume to be against the law mark my words well and uh, one thing to bring up and this is a bit off topic for a Sunday fun day but um, one thing that's a pretty common trope in media is if you just get it to the if you just get it to the journalists in the newspaper and they publish it everything will get fixed and this is not the case how many big controversies have happened where nothing happened mm -hmm. it just disappeared and they kept doing everything well and this is even shown in, in history like uh, with the guy that we was just talking about or Robin Hood for instance or John Wayne and some of his movies since we have Lil John or Lil John Wayne in the uh, in the title granted he did play a sheriff a lot in a lot of the movies however a lot of times he was um, um, deputized and or elected sheriff in a pinch so he begins the the movie as a vigilante and then he becomes the law because you know you got to support the law-abiding citizens or whatever but it always starts off with he's like some farmer some rancher some some uh, shopkeeper something like that and then he just doesn't take the bullshit anymore and he steps up and then the, in these movies, and it's a part of it's due to the time period, then the people start backing him, and then they thrust him into the forefront. So, yes, even John Wayne fits this heroic vigilante uh, um, stereotype. And again, most of the time, it's the, the hero isn't actually the official governing body. It's almost always the regular person. So when I hear about this heroic police officer, for instance, it's not that police cannot be heroic. Most of them aren't. Um, even if they're good police officers, which, again, most of them aren't. But that's besides the point. It's not that they can't be heroic. But then I look at the story, and the best I ever see is this cop, this police officer, just did his job. How is that heroic? He just did his job. Or if you weld widgets together all day are you a hero because you welded one more widget today than you did yesterday absolutely not well and also, instead why don't you weld one more widget tomorrow well and this is partly why there's so many uh shows nowadays that push uh cop shows mm -hmm. because i'll be honest uh like uh detective shows like not like uh sergeant and detective sergeant whatever Mm -hmm. But like uh, Sherlock Holmes style or Agatha Christie, that's a bit of that is something I actually enjoy. But actual cop shows are kind of they're they're propaganda. They're pure propaganda. Yeah, they're, yeah. Don't break the law, you will get caught. Yeah, they they present the cops as way more competent. Like CSI. as the heroes who rush in at the last moment because you called the police, yeah. so they rush in at the last minute and save your life. And how heroic are they? Even if they manage to do that, they're just doing their job. Well, I mean, unless it's in America, because judges have declared that that is not the job of the police. No, but you also in America, we actually specifically fought, uh, the country had you know we had sheriffs, but we didn't really have police, and then we also had um, militias. Mm -hmm. 
there were militias all over the place. That was kind of the whole point. It was even in the, the Bill of Rights and Constitution. Well, and some of our some of our grandest marshals started off as cattle thieves or rustlers, <coughs> train thieves, bank robbers, um, taking down um, uh, land barons, fighting land barons. So they were criminals who then later got deputized, deputized into the. Uh, um, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp being two very notable examples. Yeah, those are the two most no- notable ones. I bring up uh, Billy the Kid, but nobody's sure if he was actually real, and then there's a lot of argument about his life. Even though he shows up in newspaper in, in newspapers of the time period and various writings, uh, they argue over whether or not he was real. And then what he actually did. Well, he Or Jesse James. People looked at him like he was a freaking hero. And so far as I know, he was never a marshal. Um, but he was a tra- train robber. He did kill people. He was a bank robber. He fought land barons. He, by all standards of the law, he was a bad guy. And yet, people hid him. Why? He had to be assassinated. So, Why? If he was actually such a bad guy, did people actually view him as a bad guy, or was he, as, as I don't know, if you back up 30, 40 years ago, he was presented as a hero. As society began to shift, now all of a sudden becomes the, the greatest villain ever in all of Everdom, right next to um, uh, Al Capone and Adolf Hitler. And why? I think really it's because they don't want us to have heroes. Well, rely on the system. Rely on those in power. Well, and notice that most of our uh, the folk heroes in America—they're people that uh, they didn't really do power. They didn't like power. Mm-hmm. They, uh, the people in power, uh, like for example, Paul Bunyan's probably the only one that was technically an authority figure. And even that's a gray area because he was just the man in charge of his lumber camp. Right, and um, there are so many stories about Paul Bunyan because in some cases you could argue he is the outlaw because he had beef with various mayors, various sheriffs. Well, and on top of that, um, a lot of the things that have been sanitized out of his stories include magical brothels he would go to. And all the yeah. tavern fights he would have. Yeah. Um, so, heroes heroes are important to our people. Most of our heroes, if you actually look at them through the context of the governing body, they were criminals. But why do we still herald them as heroes? It's because they, they are doing typically what they, at least the regular people, end up catching something good out of it. And they don't even have to be successful if you go back through the, the stories. It's the attempt. It's the attempt that's made. Well, it's like... Uh, uh, well, look at the, the movie, um, Braveheart. Everybody loved that movie, Braveheart. In the end, he failed. Yes, but the, the he became a symbol. Or just something recent, uh, the GameStop thing. Mm-hmm. Not to get political, but it doesn't really... A lot of people ended up losing money on that. Uh, people that were got caught up in the whole GameStop thing. Yeah. But it made some asshole billionaires cry. So everyone liked that. Right. Except the people that lost money. 
Well, and even they take solace in the fact that billionaires were crying. Which is hilarious when considering how much they lost versus how much they have. Yeah. It's the equivalent of me losing 20 bucks. Pretty much. Oh, you don't understand. I lost $100 million. But you got $10 billion. You'll make that back if you just don't spend like crazy for a Yeah, just, just don't spend money for like an hour and It'll you got fun. that money right back. Yeah. But, it's a bit off topic, but it, it's the whole thing. It's our people, historically, we did not have a large police force. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't a thing. We self-policed. And it ties back into that thing we've always said. Um, brutal. Uh, we are peaceful not because we're inherently peaceful, but because we're inherently brutal. And effectively what the peace is, is a negotiated uh, truce. Well, there's a really old saying that peace is paid for in the blood of heroes. And it's true. So, enjoy your peace because somebody is paying for it. I, I enjoy my peace every day because somebody is paying for it. Um, and I understand that this peace cannot last forever. It just can't. I wish that it could, but it can't. And that's that's where where we come in. How is it that we want to start fighting back? Well, first we need to get, get our people together and, and give our people hope. We can actually do something about this, and one of the best ways that we can do something about it is to get together. It's exactly what they don't want us to do. And it's not to form some, some great march and burn down the buildings and tear down the flags. It, it's, it's not about that. It's They just don't want us getting together and forming families and becoming reliant on each other as opposed to society. And, and in the case of all these heroes, that's effectively what they've always, what all of our heroes have done is they don't rely on, on um, the established po uh, power structure. Well, and part of that is because our people are inherently hierarchical. Uh, hierarchical. Matriarchal? And, um, or not matriarchal. Uh, merit, uh, merit, meritocratic. There you go. Basically, you. we follow whoever is best for the job. And for the last thousand or so years, we've been forced into a situation largely by the church, not exclusively. I want to emphasize that. Largely by the church. Where instead of following the best person for the job, we have we follow the person who is in the job. Right. Well, and um, we was talking before too, where people like to look back a few hundred years and say, "Well, it was easier for people to do to stand up back then," because if you just got sick of it, you could just go out in the woods. Well, no, because it was the king's woods. You, you. There's versions of Robin Hood where they tried retracting from society, and and they weren't doing a robbing the tax man. They was just trying to be left left alone and hunt, hunt and live in the woods like people should be be able to do. But that was the king's land. That was the king's deer. That was the king's rabbits. That was the king's boar. They're breaking the law. Basically, no matter what you do, in a society where the it is ruled by an iron fist, to be free is to be an outlaw. Yeah. Now we're going to try and not do that by forming the towns and basically pulling ourselves away from relying on on society at large and make society at large rely on us. 
by by and not even necessarily our own group, but show all these these people how we can get together. We can become self sufficient. We can sell to the rich assholes to pay the taxes, um, and we're together. We're together doing things, living life, and we don't need two cars of uh, uh, a mansion to live in. Um, Eight cell phones, computers, uh, two computers, and we don't need all this this crap to be happy. Well, I mean, they're scared of that. They're actually scared of people learning that they can be happy without stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like that uh, in this in the, that show you really like, uh, Firefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really really good line, and it's in the freaking opening song. Uh, it, Something along the lines of, it doesn't matter, I'm still free, you can't take the sky from me. And that is very important, because here's the thing is, the most they can take willingly from you is your stuff. Yes. The freedom, taking that away, is a choice. And and really, if we want freedom, we just need to... Learn to rely on each other once again. To rebuild our families and to keep close-knit families. Yeah, if you're... It doesn't matter where you are. If you're in Western Europe, if you're in Eastern Europe, if you're in South America, if you're in North America, if you're in Oceania, you need to find more people because one of the biggest issues that people have right now is that they are not talking to people. Uh, Well, and they're solitary. Even if they, they talk to people... Online, for instance, can you get the the people that you talk to online in, um, in say, Denmark? Could we get somebody in Denmark to come over and help us put up a chicken coop? Could we get somebody in in, um, in England to come over and help us raise a wall for for a new house? Could we get somebody in France to come and help us plow the field? Well, it's like could uh, we help them do the same thing? Absolutely not. And while there's an online community, there is no physical community. And part of that's fear. And they want us to have that fear. And that's what these heroes and outlaws and, and vigilantes, pretty much, they um, they broke the system by getting people to actually get together and rely on each other and just say no. Well, this is also why they don't. This is also probably part of the reason that they uh, you have to have lawns. A lot of places do not let you just turn your backyard into a farm. Right. Like my, uh, my family's uh, house before I moved. Um, they had to have lawns. They had to treat them. So it was basically poison out there. Uh, and they had to have a fence that was this color and this kind. Right. And keep, don't forget, you got to keep the grass short. Yes, because there's usually three inches or less punishment for that. Yes, and if, if or they you will tax ha- you. If you have that little control over your land, you don't own where you live. You just rent it. You are fancy renting it. If you can't say I want to grow wheat on my property, or dandelions, or heck, just want a bunch of trees and I'm going to put moss everywhere, then you are you don't actually own the land. Right. And the thing is, we're trying to break that cycle. We will break that cycle. We are breaking that cycle right now. We are getting people together. 
we are getting these ideas out there. Um, and really, eventually, any person that has the balls to say no will be a criminal. And, and they're already, they've already done this in many cases. And, and it's, it's just to keep us scared. Precisely. And, and on top of this, this is why we encourage people, get together. Even if it's just to hang out and have a couple of beers. Find people you can rely on. That is important. You have to be able to rely on the person next to you. If they will flake out when things get tough or abandon you when things get tough, then you can't rely on them. And this is this is where our, where everyone's at. We have to be able to work together. We have to be able to have community. And yes, the goal is eventually to have the have pagan villages and things of that nature. But for now, simply being with other people can be enough. Yes. If you're in the same city, even if it's a crap hole like uh, New York or Chicago or LA or Paris or, or London or London or Berlin or Brussels or Krakow. I don't know any Norwegian ones. Uh, but it, it doesn't matter Sweden. where you are. It's Start extending the friend of hand uh, or the the hand of friendship because that's how it starts. Precisely, and they are scared of it. It's one of if they can keep people from joining together and realizing, hey, it's nice to actually have actual people in my life. It's nice to get outside and have the sun on my skin and the wind in my stubbly hair. Well, you have the beard, so it does blow. Yes, the the, the wind blowing through my beard, or for the lady ladies. Blowing the the wind, blowing their hair with the sun kissing their skin and walking barefoot through the soil. And yeah. I understand in some places you can't do that, but you can still get together and do things, sing, dance, laugh, joke. And that's what these heroes and vigilantes have a tendency to do. That that tends to be like the the high point of the story, and really the bulk of the stories, uh, where the hardship is like kind of shoved to the side, they they will discuss the hardship and the pain, but it's kind of the side point of the story. Where really what they talk about is how much the people love them, and that that is one of the keys. And I'm sure everyone has something like that. Like um, there's a story from uh, Iowa where I'm from, which we can tell in just a moment. The story, of, the story from Iowa, because we're going to cut right now for a commercial break. I want to thank everybody that listens to the, the podcast, regardless of what platform it's on. We really appreciate it, and it does help us financially. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we was going to tell a story from Iowa. So there's a tale, uh, and fun fact for people that don't know this. Iowa is technically a western state, because it... Uh, the United States is not divided down a line. It's divided by the Mississippi River. Iowa is on the western side of the Mississippi River. So we have a few cowboy legends. Um, and one of them is about this uh, family who... I forget all the details, but basically there is uh, some criminals that are going after them. And uh, I think they actually successfully kill their parents. So there's basically... There's the older sister and, like, the younger brother or younger siblings. And she basically gets the, the criminals who are coming after them alone. 
and they think, oh, she's just a little girl. There's, there's nothing we need to worry about. She pulls out a gun and kills him. And, and that's actually one of the heroic stories from Iowa is these people were specifically coming after her family, and they already got a few of them. So the older sister actually stepped up, laid a trap, and got rid of the problem to protect her younger siblings. Which is, yeah, uh, and uh, it doesn't always require killing, but that is a very common thing because there's the ultimate force or the the ultimate authority is is violence. violence. Well, and it ties back into a very simple fact. Europe did not initially have prisons. We had... The ultimate punishment, execution, which could range from... Well, actually, in many cases, exile was considered to be more severe of a punishment than execution. Execution, exile, thraldom, guild. Basically, fix it or pay it for guild. Um, Okay, you've done something stupid enough that you are now going to be this person's basically foster kid and they'll teach you to not do this stupid shit anymore. Um, get the fuck out of here. You ever come back, we'll kill you. We'll kill you. Yes. There's no, there's really no point for prison. And people will argue rehabilitation, but here's my question is, if someone goes to prison for manslaughter... Rehabilitated to what? Yeah. Because if someone gets, uh, goes to prison for manslaughter, why are they even being punished in the first place if it was an accidental death? So, there's nothing to rehabilitate... Because there, there wasn't anything by our standards to really punish. Um, or uh, so, or someone who is has killed 27 people. And they're planning on doing it again if they ever get out. And they just get life in prison. All you're doing is giving them a slow death and opportunities for escape. There is torture. Down to it. Just torture. And which we, we did a little bit of digging into that too. Torture doesn't seem to be native to our people. It's an import because it doesn't seem to really show up until Christendom. Well, and actually the whole reason for the prisons, because people argue rehabilitation versus punishment. What it actually was, was to give you time to come to God. You were supposed to... Go- contemplate your relationship to God. Well, even right up until the 60s, if you accepted God into your heart and could give them some, um, uh, the, the parole board, give them some scripture, you was far more likely to get out of prison versus well, they have, if you didn't. They have chaplains. And there's a reason people tend to convert in prison. It's to get out. Yeah, it's to get out. And uh, the big trend now is uh, to convert to Islam. That's happening a lot, especially in English prisons. You may actually not survive prison if you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, there is no illusions about the world in prison, because what are they going to do to you? Imprison you twice? So everybody just does whatever they can, and it becomes basically law of the jungle. People tribe up, people attack. I won't pretend to know all the ins and outs because I don't live there. I have never been to prison. But from what I've heard from people, that's what it's like. And our people, it's like that line in Lord of the Rings. What do you fear? A cage. 
It's very true. Our people do not fear death as much as we fear a cage. That's why, probably why it was implemented. Well, same with torture. Don't fear, don't fear death as much as pain. But what, what is it that all these heroes do? They fight against that. And, and even in, in modern, with modern heroes, like the Punisher, for instance, he goes straight to, because he doesn't kill everybody, sometimes he'll exile people from the region that they're from. Um, but what, it, what rules are they following? They're actually following the rules of nature. Well, that's the thing is, nature doesn't have prisons. Nature just has death, get the frick out of Dodge, or in more complex situations with more complex social structures, make it better. Yeah. Well, could you even see this with wild animals, where if they're in a pack, uh, sometimes um, one will give food to another. Uh, and they'll actually bring gifts, basically for, please forgive me, or please like me. They'll also exile pack members. Yes. And they'll also execute pack members. I mean, wolves are the easiest ones to look at because they, they have, have the an established uh, social group. They have the most similar social structure to ourselves. Right. But bears will also do this. So will deer, so will pretty much anything that... that has some level of social interaction. Right, some level of social interaction. Um, I've even seen, well, birds do it even. Well, and anyone who doesn't think uh, birds, because some people get into the illusion that there isn't these warlike conflicts for animals. Oh, I watched a war the other day in the, in the, the bush itself. Oh, they, the birds are still here. fighting to protect their nest, aren't they? Yes. This uh, is our area, and they will actually fight with each other over it. And the ones that really want that bush... They will try and sneak in when it's not guarded and destroy the nest that's being built. So they fight wars as well. Well, that like uh, one time when I was on a walk, there were just these two. I uh, I forget what they were. I think they were uh, robins or some kind of finch or something. But they were straight up dive bombing this blue jay, and then they would fly back up. And when they met at the top, the other one would dive bomb. So they were doing this consistent dive bomb one after the other to get the blue jay to go away. So uh, I'm hoping that people see why the powers that be doesn't want us to get together. Why they're making it as difficult as, as possible. Why they instill fear. And the heroes and the vigilante, vigilantes, they encourage people to get together and they say no. They stand up against things and say, no, here's the line. Do not cross it. I will try and play by the rules. However, if you won't play by the rules yourself, neither am I. Hans, what do you Hans. think? You've been quiet a bit. Um, I mean, it's so in, uh, in everyone's face, in all of our faces. Literally, it's on our faces. <laughs> With the muzzles, I mean, and of course the con you know, the continuous fear mongering above all. It's like what Mayo B used to say. Well, used to say, she said it recently, and it's it's really a quote to remember. Fear is the real virus. They are constantly scaring people to stay rooted in the spot, in their spot, whichever it may be, which is usually their house, right? 
stay in your house and do your job and shut up and that's all it is and be afraid of everything by the way be afraid of police be afraid of criminals in the streets be afraid of viruses be afraid of the law be afraid of punishment from the law be afraid of um what else is there your neighbor uh, you know be afraid of meat yeah be afraid of your neighbor be afraid, be afraid of foraging hunting I'm swimming in water yes be, yeah, and come on at some point we all have to collectively realize that what they're essentially saying is be so afraid that you give up on life and that doesn't mean necessarily suicide but it can as well mean just sit in your spot so you're easily controlled don't live your life how what kind of a monster what kind of monstrous beings in human shape if you will then do you know not only wish that upon another but then actively try to achieve that and enforce it. I mean, um, because you've been pointing out to me all these uh, anti-COVID-19 protests that's going on. Um, There's been um, interesting stuff in regards to that. Yeah. Indeed. Right. Well, and and here's the thing is, but we have the right to, to protest. Yes, you do. If you get a license, you go pay for that license, schedule it, you know, get them to say that it's okay that you do this. But don't get too many people because we're only going to allow this many people at the protest so that we can make sure that you're controlled. That's the part that people aren't seeing with these these protests is they are limited. And as soon as they break that limitation, that's when the rubber bullets start flying. That's when the tear gas starts coming out. That's, that's when the, the riot lines show up, even if it's peaceful, because we've seen that where it's just thousands and thousands of people in the street. And then there's still those riot lines. Why? Because they've broken, that they've went beyond the threshold that the government said was okay to have there. And I, I and I'm glad that people are sick of it and they're trying to follow the rules. Well, our pe- they really are. Well, our people are odd. We are simultaneously rule followers, and we also hate rules. Yeah. So we try to find our way around the rules while following the rules. I have my own I have my own thoughts about that. I really think our people you know the rule of nature so to say, that is the rule of meritocracy, basically yeah, law of nature, uh, and the the rule of our of our bio spirit if you will. Otherwise no also known as uh, regis barbarorum, the rule of the barbarian if you will. It's it's just the unspoken rules we have among one another for example man and woman are part of a greater whole together um what else is there just you know heroism that is that is also something that lives in us we do we dislike cowardice what else is there um just treating your neighbors in a dignified manner you know if they're hungry go help them uh you know, give them some food if they're cold. You know, give them shelter, whatever it's going to well, be. Well, we have unspoken rules, too, even for conflict with each other. Like, you don't drag in third parties into the conflict. That's considered cowardice. Um, if you come into our... Uh, we build a town, and you want to fight with somebody, we are going to do everything that we can to make sure that the state and the federal government does, doesn't step in. Now, if you no, come yeah. into the public area and you just... I'll use me as the the punchy. You come in, 
you have a problem with me and you come into the the hall and you just punch me inside the head that's never actually been um smiled upon however to that to come in and be like i i want to fight with you because of this reason basically you're declaring your duel and in our terms what we're going to do is we're going to have a contest which is basically what they did before except for to to remain within rules that's set up around us we'll have a ring and we can have that public fight right there but it's never actually been socially acceptable to just walk in and attack somebody out of the blue while they're sitting down having a drink that person was typically attacked or pushed out and chastised for doing that and say a, a tavern or a bar or something like that out of the blue you have to actually the unspoken rule is you have to issue the challenge it's part of our, our natural law well that's why I call things the blood lore I don't call it uh, the law or anything like that because it's it's not a law it's it's innate it's instinctual and that is something people people keep wanting this ideal and I understand trying to work towards some ideal some Apollonian ideal but if you ignore the the actual instinctual side, mm-hmm. the Dionysian side, you will get nowhere. Because if you do not first master who you are, you cannot build upon yourself. Everyone is basically trying, instead of trying to build, they're trying to run. And part of that is we have forgotten most of our heroes. Because it's it's not just um, like I was just talking to Harold earlier, and I told him about uh, Eric Windhat uh, or something like that, and basically it was a, a mythical Swedish king who could control the wind, and Harold had never heard of him, and he was excited. Mm-hmm. This is common across the board. Like how many Americans have not heard of Paul Bunyan or Johnny Appleseed, Pecos Bill, uh, uh, Daniel Boone. Uh, and, uh, I find myself explaining um, Al Capone quite a bit to to Americans, and that's part of our history. I mean, he was a real guy. There's there's newspaper articles and everything. Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday is another one. Wyatt Earp. Um, unfortunately, a lot of us we are unaware of our local lore. Well, that's like me. Until I was an adult, I had no idea of most of the American folklore. Uh, for instance, I had no idea that um, the Van Meter monster was a thing in Iowa. What is a Van Meter monster? It's this giant bat humanoid that's uh, a cryptid down in Iowa. <laughs> it's called the Van Meter monster because the town of Van Meter is where it was found. I, I like uh, a lot of our cryptids. Uh, is there a lot of cryptids in um, in in Europe or? A cryptid. The difference, I guess, between a cryptid and, like, just a folkloric creature is the cryptid is supposed to be flesh and blood. Uh, I guess uh, maybe Nessie. Like a, like a Nessie ch- would... like Loch Ness Monster would be one of them. Uh, Chupacabra. Well, um, Chupacabra is on the European side. No, I know, but I'm just using it as a famous cryptid okay. example. Bigfoot. Um... So, so there's the Loch Ness monster. Are there other cryptids? Because like werewolves and vampires don't those are don't qualify. Creatures. Plus, they're shapeshifters, so they won't right. count anyway. 
Um, that's. I, I would just, really... I would just show a challenge to our uh, European cousins over there to start checking around for, for cryptid stories of cryptids in your area. Well, especially because you'll have to talk to the old people. Well, and uh, this is especially. There's a difference between a spirit and a cryptid. Now, granted, there are certain cryptids in America that I classify as spirits, like the squonk. Mm-hmm. It just like ends up too well with like a lot of other water spirits. Uh, Mothman, based on how that thing appears, it would probably be more likely a spirit. Though people like to call it like a radioactive alien mm-hmm. to get all cryptid with it. Um, but that's uh, that's another thing. And, uh, yeah, I don't think they're that common over in Europe. But anyways, get off from cryptids and, uh, back to, back to heroes. Um, yeah. And there's, there's local heroes. Don't discount your local heroes. Um, there's one very, very, well, used to be very popular local hero in America, Popeye, the sailor man. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he is based off a real person, by the way. Yes. Yes, he is. And along with, if you watch the old Popeye cartoons, Popeye the Sailor Man cartoons, and I think they're just listed as Popeye cartoons, um, almost all those characters are based off from real people. Some of the stories, some of the cartoons, are loosely based off from real events. Yep. And um, to the best of my knowledge, he didn't really break any any rules but he he did actually kind of skirt some of them yes well this is this is why we're talking about this is our people we have kind of allowed ourselves to be domesticated and it's not just us it's it's a fairly common thing across the board well, and they're they're trying desperately to re redefine heroism again. Oh yeah, that's why they keep pushing. You know, like BLM, they're heroes, or Antifa, they're heroes, or um, look at Missy um, Missy Busybody, who adopted this puppy, or um, fireman gets cat out of a tree, what or um, old old white woman gives entire fortune to impoverished black girl. Yes. Because uh, our people want to be heroes, but that's why they've redefined, they've designated a villain, and they've redefined terrorism so that they can actually use that against ourselves. And yeah, it's we have to take these meanings back, and whenever we see somebody that's heralded as a hero for doing something that we know on an instinctual level is not heroic. We need to not be afraid to call it out. Yes, and... The ability to say no is the first step to becoming a hero. Well, the ability to say no is the first step towards becoming a functional human being. Mm -hmm. Because it's like it's a lot of words have been redefined. Hero, family. And and to a certain extent, yes, you can have family who is not technically blood-related to you. Not Mm -hmm. your siblings, your cousins. You Not have, your spouse. Yeah, you can have someone who is actually that close and might even mean more than your family. However, they've used this redefinition of term of the term to actually push, uh, like, your work family. Because this is a really common thing in America. I don't know how much they push it over in Europe. But um, 
basically, they, they do all this rhetoric at work, like you have a big work family. And there's absolutely... It's, it's absolute nonsense. Uh, they treat it just like work. They Everything is the same. But mentally, it makes it like, oh, I can't not go in, or oh, I It can't. makes it easier to hate family. Yeah, it makes it easier to hate family, and it makes it harder to disobey your boss, because then it feels like you're betraying family. Which is also one of the reasons that we start. I start using terms like kin and uh, kith and kin, is because family, the word, has been so polluted. It's mm-hmm. one of those things. It's You've got to avoid the new speak. Or friend. Friend is another one that's been utterly destroyed by... I, I, I personally blame Facebook, but it probably started actually before that. Well, yeah, friend... Friend used to be a very deep companion. There's a reason there's acquaintance and there's friends. Um, it used to be... like You had to really be close to be a... A friend. A friend. Like, uh, I think there's even a reference to this in the TV A friend show. is somebody that you will put everything on the line for. Yes. And most people will not do that for their and, friends. And you can trust them to do the same thing for you. Yes. It's like how in modern culture, bestie or best friend, as non-valley girls use the term, um, they are... It used to mean something. Now it is actually just a category, and it's not even a category, because most people that talk about their bestie, they're not best friends, they're not, they're barely friends by the standards of an actual healthy society. Mm-hmm. And, and here's another fun, fa- a fun thing to bring up, is a rival, or even an enemy, can actually be just as valuable as a friend. You can rely on them, just not to be on your side. Yeah. And they can force you to become better because you want to best them at what you're doing. Right. Well, and as far as heroes go, that's what we're striving to become by providing a place for, well, not just providing a place, but encouraging our people to get together by providing a place for, uh, not just a place, but many places for our people to gather and to come together. Uh, to form these familial bonds. Uh, really, currently, in today's world, there is very little that is more heroic. And, quite simply, that we are in the age of heroes. So there is... And the thing is, nobody ever was a hero by staying at home and doing nothing. They, they're even pushing that with the COVID stuff. Oh, yes. Be a hero, stay at home. Yes. And you're trying to this is the thing right despicable behavior they're trying to everything just needs to be turned upside down doesn't it mm-hmm. uh, like our this is heroism uh, men should be uh, women and women should be men uh, what else is there essentially yeah and just just be happy uh, yeah happiness should be unhappiness etc etc or unhappiness should be seen as happiness um, and reality should be seen uh, or well the lack of reality should be seen as reality or felt as reality perhaps more so it's uh, <laughs> society is just turning more and more into a loony house just this <laughs> and you, yeah we need more people who say okay enough of it 
like seriously, time to get some common sense back because it's fleeting. It's fleeting quick and our children are watching. I hope everyone realizes that as well. It's, um, yeah, it's about damn time. <laughs> right, well, and in many ways we are doing heroic and vigilante actions by saying things that people don't want to hear but they need to hear. By providing people some hope by shining light, uh, the light on the fact that we aren't the evil monsters, walk, uh, you know, um, stalking the shadows. These things are unacceptable to modern society. They really are. Uh, they shouldn't be, but they are. And because we we will tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, because we will. Do things like uh, publishing the, the magazine Europe in Diaspora, which should be hit, hitting print now in a couple days. I'm hoping um, it's already out. Uh, it's already to the publisher, so we're hoping in the next few days that'll actually become available. We're hope I'm, I'm hoping beyond hope that's available before our last show. Uh, I don't think so, but I'm still hoping beyond hope. But just simple acts of defiance like this in today's world is potentially extremely heroic. Throwing in behind people that's actually trying to do things. This is a, a small act of heroism. Because who would Robin Hood be without Lil John, without Will Scarlet, without... Um, the Merry Men. Yeah, without the, without the Merry Men. Who would King Arthur be without the, the Knights of the Round Table? And without Merlin? And by... by by extension, who would they be without their without the enemies that they fought? Well, it's like Batman. A lot of people like him because he has the best villains. Mm-hmm. You and, remove his villains, who is he? Well, and the world has plenty of rogues galleries right now. Yes. So there are so many ways, really, to do the heroic thing. And really, it's... The, the biggest thing is... Throw. In our case, we put ourselves forward. Throw in, throw in with us. Help us make things happen. Um, share the the magazine around. Because um, uh, I believe most people that listen are planning on getting an issue of the magazine. Just get the one the the one magazine. I mean, I would like you to get five or six, and then just drop them off at like doctors' offices and dentists' offices, and hand them out as gifts. But if you only get one. Share it around, be like, "Oh, you need to, you need to check this out," because it, it shines a little bit. Of, we try to write things in a way where it shines a little bit of light into into the heart of who we are. And it shows how noble we are, how caring we are, how heroic we can be, how we can pull heroism out of those around us. Exactly, and in many cases. It just requires example. Because a lot of people, they're just waiting for somebody who can show that they can actually do what needs done. At least willing to. Even even if they fail. Because again, success is not a prerequisite to become a hero. We have so many heroes that failed. But we have so many heroes that su succeeded. Or we have heroes that they themselves failed, but somebody picked up the fight afterwards and succeeded. And really, well, why did everything go to shit again? 
because we got comfortable. We got comfortable. Well, it's comfort should be something that we pursue but never quite achieve. Well, it's that old saying: um, uh, hard times breed strong men. Strong uh, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. And the thing is, that cycle is not necessary at all. No, it, we just keep letting it happen. Well, and there, there's there's people that get all down and our men have never been this week before. Yes, we have. Oh yeah, the the dandies and the fops and all that. Yeah, that's the easy one to go to. Um, the senators of Rome. Oh yeah, they got they they became rather uh, d- domestic. Right, and there's there's so many examples through our through our history of where. Times got easy, men got weak. Times got hard, men got hard and, and and corrected the situation. It's not a cycle that needs to happen, but it's probably a cycle that will continue to happen. Well, and right now, honestly, we're in a spiral down the weak route. Yes. Because there's some strong, strong people coming out right now. But I also look around and uh, boomers... Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z. Yeah, it'd be easy to blame one generation, but it's, it's no, not it's, one generation's fault. Each one has strong people that try to stop it, and each one has many weak people clamoring for the gimmies. And part of it is security, comfort. We've traded freedom for security, and they've been constantly doing this for decades now. Right. And personally, the the most heroic thing that I can see that our people could do right now would be to get together, which is what we're working towards. And along the way, providing hope, purpose. Our, our people are without purpose. We need to provide this purpose for our people. We need to provide hope that this purpose can be fulfilled or hope, period. And then combine that with purpose. And, and that's what we're we're doing through the magazine. That's what we're trying to do through the podcast. That's what we're trying to do through the the various books that we're writing. And strip away all the bullshit and just be like, here, have this back. This belongs to you. Yep, and that's that's part of the whole point here is not only giving you back the stories because there is a myriad of them. It's not just one or two books per group. It's a myriad, a library, and a massive library. And a that's massive library group. complete with museum and performance area. That's yes. always going, always having a show, and we're gonna keep doing what we do. Well, just a, just the Celtic myths, for instance. Which is a, a considered a small group, right? You could spend your entire life studying the, the Celtic myths and still never get them all. From the time time that you're able to walk until the time that you're laid to rest, you could spend the entirety of that time doing nothing but pursuing stories. You will not gather them all. And there's just far, far too many. Precisely. And as we've stated before, the heroes are actually more important than the gods. The gods are, in many ways, I guess you could call them guides or ideals. The heroes are exactly that. They are heroes to look up to and try to live up to. Right. There's something to actually aspire to where the gods are more like an ideal or a guide. 
Um, but the, the heroes themselves, there's somebody to aspire to become or to become like. Precisely. Uh, Hans, do you have something you'd like to say? The thing with heroism is it's about you know, being inspired by those who came before and did the right thing. And guess what? They did it in hard times. You're not a hero if it's easy. That is simply the reality of things. But you don't need to do it alone either. You don't need to be a big leader. It can be the small things and it can be joining those who you may consider well, modern day heroes, I suppose. Not the ones that are presented on TV. Not that uh, fake nonsense. <clears throat> These puppets that are there for fools to follow or to even, ho uh, yeah, even be spiteful at. No, it's the people who you think are actively doing something of value. You don't need to be the one on the stage in the spotlight. If you prefer others to do that, fine. Then just be the guy in the in the uh, in behind the, the curtains, in or in the crowd, if you will. Yeah, one of the two. <laughs> and. Um, that is also something to bear in mind. Uh, was it Tolkien? I believe it came from Tolkien that an heroic deed is no less valiant because nobody was there to see it. And if you are someone who cares about our ancestry, and let's say, yeah, what, for lack of other term, for another term, an a, you know, a theistic pagan, if you do believe. Well, and I do really hate to say believe. No. If it makes sense for you, if you know, if it makes sense to you that there is a spirit within you that will go to uh, the beyond, the afterlife, then, and, you know, maybe, maybe there will be ancestors who are looking out for you when they have free time, when they are willing to do so, or if they think they need to. And they're somewhat following your progress as you're, you know, as you're living out life. And then upon death, you go to them and they may say, you know, then it depends on how they're going to greet you, right? It's going to be dependent on uh, what you've done. Did you do any good? Did you do anything heroic? They will know whether anyone else saw it in life or not. That doesn't matter. Well, I have a follow-up question to this, which I will ask immediately after this commercial break. And again, anybody that listens on, on the podcast, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, keep coming back for more. It helps us out in so many ways and motivates us to actually do these things. So here is our commercial break. Uh, and by the way, that's going to be changing pretty soon. But my follow-up question to what Hans was just talking about is, if you believe in... Uh, the afterlife or if you know fundamentally deep down inside however it is that you want to look at it that there's an afterlife and the ancestors are, are going to greet you in the afterlife and, and the gods are there waiting um, my only question is what have you done to earn it why should they welcome you with open arms merely for being born 
did you try to do anything? Did you back somebody? Did you back did somebody you that was trying to do something? What's that? Yeah, um, this is actually, it plays in with um, something that has been on my mind. So you have the Hellenic character Charon, the, the boatman, who is on the sticks. And in Hellenic myth, or in, in practice, they gave you two coins that they placed upon your body to take with you once you went to the afterlife, so you could pay him. But here is something that I find curious. Why bother? Why bother taking money with you to a deity? That makes no sense. Why the hell would you need money there? That's a, that's a thing of this world, and it's a, an artificial concept to boot. Mm. I like to think, and this is just my perception of it, is that you're not supposed to show up with money. You're supposed to show up with a good story, and the story is your life's story. Right, and well, and the, the coins could just simply be uh, have started off this way, because everything is, ends up getting corrupted. You show up to, what what's the, the ferryman's name? Karen? Karen, yeah. Um, you show up before him. One, you have a story, a, a story to offer, because you've actually lived life. But the coins represent the fact that somebody cared about you. That when you left somebody would remember you. Now, of course, this inevitably ends up getting twisted and turned into something that's not. But we, we still do this today. Somebody dies and they, they go in the box before they're put into the ground. Or or if you're in an area where cremations are and there's there's open um, where you can witness the create, uh, cremations, a lot of people will put worldly goods in that box with with the deceased person why do we do this we know inherently these are just physical items that they can't actually take them so why do we still do this even today we've done it in the ancient past where we'd bury people with things we still do it today why could it be because we love the person it is a personal sacrifice for the one that that moved on the one that's going to to the next world is a personal sacrifice saying we will remember you and you guys talk about stories and that's that's a very good thing because regardless if you're theistic or atheistic pagan the stories continue on of the gods and of the heroes if you let a good enough life, your story will be told so much that you will fade into myth and legend. You yourself, your story will be told to millions, if not billions of people over the years. I'd say that's one heck of a good story. And a lot of times these stories do not have happy endings. Robin Hood dies. Cucullin dies. Hercules dies. In fact, he begs to die. Um, or uh, Doc Holliday dies. These stories, they don't need to have happy endings. Well, and the thing is, is that they don't always die these brutal deaths either. No. Like Doc Holliday, he died in the hospital's bed. Yes. With his friend by his side. 
yeah. you can even argue is death really the you know is that actually a bad ending because every life ends with death well that's what exactly. i'm getting at and yeah one of the main things is and people will notice this if they pay attention to our stories the story doesn't end with the hero's death it continues after robin hood's death it continues after king arthur's death it continues after sigurd's death because they they did had so much impact while they were alive that the echoes and the ghosts of their presence continues on after death. Right, and here's here's the other very important thing. None of them did it by themselves. Even Hercules, he had a friend with him through many of the stories. They don't do these grand heroic things alone. We why? Simply because it's near impossible to do anything of, of note or value on your own. Well, and oftentimes they have famous names. The Merry Men, the Round Table, the Fianna of Ireland. Uh, the Argonauts. It's fairly common. Right. Or uh, Paul Bunyan's and his crew. The crew of his lumber camp. Yeah, it was actually that was their name was the crew. Yeah, and, and it is, doesn't mean that any individual one wasn't important. Uh, each one was important to somebody in the crew. Johnny Inkslinger, old blacksmith, Brimstone Bill. Well, and they don't even have to be named because the crew was beyond just the named ones. Yeah. So to a- achieve something great and grand. You don't have to necessarily be the one that's named, but you have to be present. And then you become one of the Argonauts. You become one of the, the members of, of, of King Arthur's army. You become one of... You become one of... You were one of the Minutemen. Yes. Because well, we don't know the names of all the Minutemen in America. I'm positive that there's no list, complete list of names, but we still remember the Minutemen. We still remember quite a few units of history. Right. And, and as time goes on, the list of known names will get shorter. And that's still okay because they did something. They, they, they weren't all the general of the army. No, they threw in behind the general of the army. Well, it is important. It, it is important to pick a side, stand your ground, and throw in with somebody else that is willing basically to put their hand on the block. Well, like the Founding Fathers, there were quite a few of them, but at most, I think most people could name five or seven. And there's the big three, Franklin, Washington, and Jefferson, and John Adams pretty much only gets to stick around because of his rivalry with uh, Jefferson, because that actually adds to Jefferson's myth. Well, and then you got your John Hancock. Yeah. Why is he famous? Because he wrote his name the largest. And the he prettiest. Was prob- and the prettiest. And he is probably, to be honest, the most bold of, of, of the group. And yet, he's only remembered for his signature. So what? Yeah. The Minutemen. They're remembered as a group of men. So so what? They don't... Everybody doesn't have to be out front. If you got everybody scrambling to be out front, nothing happens. And... Let's be honest. Not everybody wants to be out front. And, and, and in many cases, the heroes themselves didn't want to be out front. They was just like, well, somebody's got to do it, so I guess I'm the guy. 
Well, Washington, as far as I know, didn't even want to be president. It's just who else was going to take the job. Right. Well, he didn't even want to lead the army. He, he didn't want to lead the Union Army. What, what he wanted to do was throw in behind somebody else. It's interesting how those of high king archetypes almost always seem to be unwilling, isn't it? And if you look at the history of these heroes, for example, most of them became heroes through one of two things. Either that was their whole life, or it was something they were forced into. So you have your, your uh, Finn McCools and your Ku Cullens who were heroes because they wanted to be. It's what they worked their whole lives to be. And then you have more like Hercules or Washington who were kind of just thrown into that life because of who they were. Uh, Hercules even tried to settle down multiple times. First time did not, did not do very well. Did not do very well at all. So, and many times it's a hero who is there because of his circumstance, but it still is what their deed and their intention is what matters. Right, and in many cases too, the, uh, the greatest acts of defiance appear on the surface to be the smallest. It could be something as simple as a magazine called Europe and Diaspora. It could be something as simple as um, five families get together and live together on a piece of land and they farm and they raise children. It could be something as simple as making raw milk and selling it on the side. Yes, because that is nearly impossible to find. They, that is, it, it's an act of defiance. And it's not just defiance for the sake of defiance. It's an act of defiance for the betterment of your people. Or uh, protecting heirloom seeds. Yes. When everybody's trying to. But there have been people put in prison over that because they wouldn't give over the heirloom seeds. And they they was put in, they was arrested, put in prison and had the seeds not just taken, destroyed. Oh yeah, uh, that's happened before and I, I don't want to get too dark, but that's that's a rather dark uh, subject matter, especially and, and, in the US. Right, and while that may not seem like a heroic deed, I would chalk that up with a heroic deed. Even though, in that, in the case that I'm aware of, it failed. However, there are people that started um, heirloom seed companies, so now you can get them. Why do they exist? Because of this other person that said no. Well, there's even entire uh, like uh, uh, forget its name, but like Bob's Red Mill or something. But they specialize in continuing grains that have almost gone extinct. Right, and, and can I name any of the people that that work? work in these places? Absolutely not. But they built their work off from this other guy that I don't know what his name was. But he's still a hero. He's the guy that said no. And off from his his saying no, other people then picked up the banner and ran with it and made it happen. Or uh, in the modern day with how things are going, protecting your kids. Making sure they're not fed a diet that makes them sick and ill, making sure that they're not subjected to anti-propaganda. And there are many small ways, because not everybody can try and do the big, grand gestures. And it's like I've said before, it's the little things that all add up. We've stopped doing the little things. That's why all the big th big things became unbearable. Right. Well, and, and so many people, they, they're, they're too scared to even throw in with somebody else that stands up and says, screw it. I'll lead the way. You guys just 
fall in behind me, support support me, we'll all do this together. They don't even want to do that because they lie to themselves and say, well, I'm only one person. Everybody in uh, the band of merry men said, well, I'm only one person. But how, how was it that they managed to be a thorn in, uh, what was the sheriff's name? I, I don't even know if he had Sheriff, sheriff. of Nottingham. Uh, okay, uh, how did they manage to be a, a thorn inside of Sheriff Nottingham's uh, uh, arse is because they worked together. Any individual one of them couldn't have done anything, but they got together, and they followed Robin Hood in this case. Same way with King Arthur's army. Any, and, and I'm sure, uh, let's, let's assume that it's real history. If you could go to King Arthur's army and ask any individual soldier, He'd be like, well, I'm just one guy, but I'm here with everybody else. Well, and not only that, there's a rather famous uh, historical figure who will remain nameless. But uh, it's said that one time he was with his friends and he was in a room and he looked around and he said, and then he proclaimed, there are 13 of us, we will conquer the world. Yes. So it starts with one one person pretty much saying we need to do something and then a few other people say yeah we need to do something we're going to help you out and then they start to do something and then other people come in and they're like yes we agree something needs done we're going to throw in with you sometimes the person that starts it ends up being the one re- uh, relegated to history and their name remains uh, known remembered however sometimes it's somebody that comes in through the door later well, the first guy goes down, the second guy rises up, and he's the one that's remembered. All of these variations happen, but no matter how you look at it, it requires more than one person. It's groups of people rising up and doing the right thing. And in general, it's usually saying no. And so, um, Hans, uh, uh, you got anything to add into that, or should we wrap her up right here? Thinking. thinking there's something that I'm there was something I think I wanted to bring up but through the conversation kind of flew from my mind ah, I have the effect on people well we've got three more shows before the hiatus so three more <laughs> yeah because um, for anybody that's just tuning in now our hiatus is going to start on Mother's Day in America that's May 9th um, so we'll, we're going to broadcast on May 9th and that's going to be our last one for give or take a month if you uh, follow us on telegram or instagram or even listen to the podcast um, you'll get an exact date on when it is that we're coming back because there will still be some podcasts put out they'll just be probably shorter and not really planned so kind of random um, but yeah we do plan on still putting stuff out there um uh, in addition, yeah, Europe and Diaspora has made it to the publisher, so now we're just waiting for it to be printed, and we'll keep you guys apprised on that, too. And uh, during the, the hiatus, we're going to reformat a lot of stuff, and when we come back, we're going to start off with one show a week instead of three shows a week, and um, see how everything plays out, because we're just refocusing our efforts. So, yeah, there's that. Did I manage to buy you enough time to think of what it was that you wanted to talk about? No, it's uh, it's gone, unfortunately. Right. Well, well, it'll come up again. 
Yeah. You'll probably think of it uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we might as well get out of here. Um, I'll go first. Remember, with every hero, there's people that support that hero. Um, and they're heroes, too. Even though you might not, we might not remember their names, we remember that somebody was there. We have to do something. The, the greatest act of defiance that we can do in today's world is to get together. So on that note, I'm going to remind everybody that we are the gods of the future. And uh, I'll see you guys on Tuesday, our next podcast. And I'll finish up by saying, don't give in, don't give up. Even if they take the house, the home, and everything else, you still have the sky, you still have your heart, and you still have the spirit of your people. And for many of our heroes, they didn't even have all of that. And be great, everybody. Trust me to remember it right now. Um, I'll I'll indulge real quickly. It's, um, It's the unknown soldier who is no less honored. Even the unknown soldier gets a statue, right? Be it a, a deity of old, or be it the many millions of fighting men and women that have gone unnamed through history, but were no less valiant in their efforts. No less... Mm, yeah, just... They were valiant, they were heroic, they did the right thing. Some may not have returned home, others did. But at the end of the day, they shared that one thing in common is that whatever their goal was, it was to preserve the life that they were meant to live. Because they understood something important that we should remember today as well, which is your life is yours to live and it should be done on your own terms not on the terms of petty tyrants. And that is what heroes stand up against. Against petty tyrants who think that they can tell you what to do, can tell your children what to believe in, who can basically control every little aspect of your life that they have no business controlling. We've all lived now. Has it been 13 months? No, it has been longer. uh, I would say. But let's say 13 months now, over a year, let's go with that. That we have allowed ourselves that a year has been stolen from our lives. We are not going to get that year back, people. And it's about damn time this nonsense stops that our people is being preyed upon in the most horrific ways imaginable and the rest of us are chained down by the fear that they force in our heads, try to force in our heads. It's about time to start doing the right thing. That's what I'm going to end off with today. You all have a good one and think about it. Bye-bye. Of all the trees that grow so fair, old England to adorn. Greater on on beneath the sun, but O Canash and Thorn. Sing O Canash and Thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. 
Surely we sing of no little thing but oak and ash and thorn. Oak of the clay live many a day, or ever in years began. Ash of the loam was a lady at home when Brute was an outdoor man. Thorn of the down saw new Troy town from which was London born. Witness here by the ancient cry of oak and ash and thorn. Sing, O can ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. Surely we sing of no little thing but O can ash and thorn. You that is old in church are mouldy, breedeth a mighty bow. Older for shoes do wise men choose, and beach for cups or so. But when you have killed and your bowl is filled, your shoes are clean and worn. Back you must speed for all that you need to oak and ash and thorn. Sing oak and ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. Surely we sing of no little thing but oak and ash and thorn. Elm she hates mankind and waits for every gust be laid to drop a limb on the head of him that anyway trusts a shade. But whether a lad be sober or sad or mellow without from the horn, he'll take no wrong when he lieth among neath oak and ash and thorn. Sing oak and ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. Surely we sing of no little thing but oak and ash and thorn. Oh, do not tell the priest our plight, for he would call it a sin. For we've been up in the woods all night, conjuring summer in, and we bring you news by word of mouth, good news for cattle and corn. For now is the sun come up from the south with oak and ash and thorn. Sing oak and ash and thorn, good sir, all of our midsummer's morn. England shall bite till judgment tide by oak and ash and thorn. Oh, thank you.